Matthew Dawkins, and I am here once again with my good colleagues, Eddie Webb. Hello. And in absentia. Uh, my favourite, uh, Roman. Absentia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, 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 like, I like the pause there because it was like, do we want to invoke in absentia's name? We don't know. In absentia. I, I would be surprised if that name didn't occasionally pop up in Asterix and Obelix. Uh, books, you know, they were always very good at the uh, play on word names like Getafix, the Druid, and uh, Geriatrix, <laughs> the the old ghoul. Uh, I, I will say that uh, In Absentia certainly gets in a lot of legal trouble, from my experience, <laughs> and yet always gets away with it as well because somehow they, because they are in a, in Absentia, it's uh, yeah, quite the entitled <laughs> role. <laughs> uh, so, how are you, Eddie? Um, I'm I'm doing good actually. Uh, uh, before we got on air, I was I was talking about uh, my my lovely experiences now that I moved to uh, the UK with Royal Mail, and and how they decide to send things kind of whenever they want, mm-hmm. which has been fun. TM. Yeah, welcome to Britain. <laughs> need to need I, to Doctor Will Smith's voice from in- Independence Day. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I will say. Um, when I first got here, there was a, a story going up, making the rounds about a letter that had been delivered a hundred years late. Yes. Yes. Uh, that actually happens. Well, I wouldn't say often, but once in a <laughs> while I have, I have read that story, but it's always, of course, a different piece of mail. I but, genuinely, yeah, I, it's, it's one of these interesting things. It's uh, I guess, demon, the descent style, uh, something gets lost in the infrastructure. Because right. how anyone could ever possibly lose a piece of mail and discover it 90 plus years later and then still unquestioningly deliver it. Yeah, it's like, oh, they probably still want this. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> uh, it's interstitial terrain territory at that point where so- someone received the mail. It was just someone in a different dimension. Uh, I, I mean, it's funny because like every time... Uh, like time travel stories always had this conceit of like uh, this message was left here 80 years ago and you know we've always wondered who was going to claim it and i'm like that's ridiculous no one does that and then i read stuff like this or have my own experience with the royal mail it's like oh you know i completely believe that a piece of mail was there for 80 years everyone's going up we'll just wait then no problem well it's the same with the old message in a bottle uh, sometimes these things genuinely turn up. Someone will send a message in a bottle, a time capsule-like thing, usually not from a desert island Robinson Crusoe style, but they will uh, drop them somewhere and they right. will end up on some distant shore and will usually say something like, you smell, or <laughs> it's equally inane. It's rarely, this is the key to the safe deposit box in uh, <laughs> in this bank. You are now the proud owner of whatever. No, but, it's just really old Twitter, really. Yeah, but in terms of <laughs> just, just a note that says "lol" um, <laughs> and probably a troll face, unfortunately. Right. But, uh, but in in the or a good order of maritime myths, urban legends, and so on. Unfortunately, I understand they recently sent a probe to down what is it, the Mariana Trench? Uh, so the okay. deepest, uh, deepest. Uh, subaquatic surface on on the planet. I believe right. the Mariana trenches, and they actually found um, what was it? It was something like uh, some plastic bottles, 
mm-hmm. they basically found human uh, pollution down there, wow. Act- actual identifiable pollution. Jeez. And obviously it had been compressed, but it was still it was recognizable enough and hadn't degraded. And uh-huh. so we have successfully now polluted not only the highest point, because of course Everest is littered with not only bodies, but all kinds of waste, uh, but also the lowest point. <laughs> so, yay! Well done us. We have, we have fully contaminated the planet. The worm has won. Every once in a while, I'll get someone uh, who asks me about Pugmire. It's like, why why plastic it just seems such a, a weird random thing for dogs to value mm. and i always make the comment of like because plastic's gonna be around long after we're gone yeah. And, and, yeah and when you i hear stuff like that and it's just like I, you know what on the one hand i mean i i i, I appreciate the validation of my, my stance for my game but on the other hand the world doesn't really need to reinforce my design decisions in my silly dog game quite that heavily <laughs> Well, if I mean, if you think about it, uh, the realms of Pugmire would be immediately in some kind of economic crash due to the sheer quantity of plastic. <laughs> yeah. If it was based in 21st century Earth, I think there has to be a way that we get rid of a lot of that. Uh, what's it called? What are those? Uh, it's like mic- uh, microscopic plastics, the plastics that are now in Oh, yeah. In the the, Microbead plastic. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I am assuming a Greta Thunberg. Uh, let's put all the weight on her. Um, <laughs> finds a way of getting rid of all this stuff in a clean and beneficial way to make plastic rare enough that it's still valuable as currency and not so ubiquitous that you can just hack a piece off a tree and say, "Oh well, look, I'm a millionaire." <laughs> it reminds me of. Um, uh, I think it was restaurant in the universe um, where Ford prefect and Arthur crash on this alien planet with, with some aliens and they try to build civilization. And one of the first thing they do is to try to establish an economy. Mm. And so they decide to adopt the leaf as legal tender. Yes, that's and, yes, that is uh, a <laughs> restaurant at the end of the universe. I right, and so they're like, yeah, so they're like, yeah we, we're going to burn down the forest to revalue the leaf, and, and that yeah. kind of like we're going to destroy plastics, not because it's harming our economy, but because we need to revalue uh, the the plastic uh, a standard in Pugmire. Just mm-hmm. is amazing. Uh, well, you know, we talk about all these things, things like messages in bottles, mail that's been lost forever and delivered in places. And there is, of course, and uh, listeners, eagle-eyed listeners who have uh, been keeping an eye on the names of the podcast. <laughs> in this extremely uh, audio medium, uh, they're keeping an eye on things. <laughs> yes, eagle-eared <laughs> listeners will know that this is a podcast about the Trinity Player's Guide, which we'll get into in, in a large way soon. But a lot of these, I guess, urban legend-style things are real perfect material for Trinity. Uh, you can oh, yeah. set off a whole adventure with a piece of mail that was sent a century ago that has only just rece- been received. It immediately presents the mystery of where's it been all this time? Who sent it? Why has it come to you? What does it have inside? Uh, you know, who held it back? There's a, a sort of wellspring of possibilities with with a story like that. Yeah, that's one thing that um, I, I frankly I really dig about a Trinitarian Core rulebook and that kind of whole era of things mm. uh, is that um, on the one hand, yes, it's it's a very easy way to play um, kind of modern day action adventure 
procedural stuff, um, which yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's really geared for it. It's, it's your, you know, 24 Charlie's angels spooks, you know, whatever. Um, but also you're right. A lot of stuff that works in like, say Chronicles of darkness, world's darkness, um, you can really easily use as a similar kind of plot hook for Trinity, just kind of change what it's a hook for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, we do a lot of that. Oh, you know? God. Oh, uh, uh. <laughs> what? <laughs> How'd you get in here? <laughs> you invited me. <laughs> Been here the whole time. Oh, my God. Uh, hi, everybody. Hi. It's Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Hi. <laughs> uh, well, yes. Uh, hello. Welcome, Danielle, to the Onyx Pathcast. You're not new here, of course. You are part of the furniture now, and not in an Ed Gein kind of a way. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so she it, for scaring us. She throws us all off her game. Is it? <laughs> is it better to be a whole piece of furniture or be part of a piece of furniture or part Ooh. of a wider set? I think if you're part of a wider set that you're, uh, hey, stop that. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I see means... we have a fourth host. Yeah, yeah. This is Klaus. Sorry, hold on. Klaus has strong public opinions. It's, it's all this talk about plastic. Klaus is very passionate about plastic. It's true. It's true. That's the slogan. Klaus, uh, Klaus is an economist. He yeah. is. So he was chewing on a piece of class, plastic earlier, which I thought would keep him... Shut up, shutting up, but apparently he's, he's socially liberal but plastically conservative. Yeah, yes, <laughs> uh, the best kind of uh, uh, <laughs> does that make him a libertarian? No, oh. no it makes oh. him a, an actor. He is young, it's usually, it's usually um, people in Hollywood, uh, mm. or New York, I guess, who obviously want to make it among the liberal elite of Hollywood, ah, yes, but but secretly possess cons- conservative views so yes. they will always describe themselves as i'm economically conservative but i'm socially liberal yeah in yeah. other words i, I mean, want to keep all my damn money <laughs> but i also want to come to all your parties yeah there was a time in my life where i identified that way because i just couldn't bring myself to identify with like the the bigotry part of like mm. the republican party but right. my parents were Republican, and I didn't really know any better. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, "Oh, it's because of the economic policies that I uh, that I'm a Republican." And then I learned that the economic policies were like the root of the racism. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, we're coming out swinging. Uh, Ten, nearly eleven minutes in, uh, we've tackled global pollution and <laughs> bigotry within the Republican Party. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, and, that, and that's how you start Trinity. Yes, uh, it is. Uh, and what do you have to say on this matter, Klaus? Uh, <laughs> I'm very interested to hear your opinion. He says nothing. 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 It, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's he's quiet on the subject right yes, now. <laughs> invoking the right to remain silent is always wise if you actually have an offensive view, Klaus. So <laughs> I, I get what you're where you're coming from, but I don't approve of it. His offensive so to summarize, view is that he wants my snack. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a very that's a, Republican view. <laughs> I must say, it sounds like a conservative to me. <laughs> well. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what I was saying is. Yes, yes. Something we, we do that in Trinity, you said. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we have this new player's guide coming out. And uh, we we do introduce different ways to, like, kind of play the game and port I- different ideas into uh the the modern time period mm-hmm. um 
specifically like uh, with like these alternate dimensions. So you can just kind of visit an alternate dimension that is very similar to our own or your own, whatever your base dimension is, but yeah. has like some very small modifications. Ah, so the old uh, what would happen if JFK hadn't been assassinated yeah. in a conundrum, right. that kind of thing. You know, so yeah, that's always absolutely. a favorite of, of fiction. Yes, it, it is. So, uh, yeah, so that's uh, so we introduce ideas like that and how to kind of play those kind of games. Um, you know, how you would get to that kind of dimension, um, you know, what might go wrong, what you might find there, some new special abilities that you can use while dimension hopping. Uh, so how is that, uh, it, how is it presented in Trinity in the, in the player's guide? Is this a sort of a Stargate or a Stargate kind of portal? <sighs> is it an unknowingly crossing over? Uh, I mentioned interstitial terrain, which is one of my favorite Chronicles of Darkness elements, but I, mm -hmm. I, I see it working perfectly well in a fringe way. Yeah, it's, it is presented as like gates mm -hmm. that you go through, but the gates don't have to be like literal portals like Stargate. Yeah, big runic uh, things with right. swirling energy in the middle. A, a gate could be, you know, a, a door that you opened and there's a gate there uh, mm. to the other side. Uh, and uh, oh, what is that fucking Stephen King story? Well, uh, that doesn't 1963? limit 1963, yes. All of that, right? Um, if I don't know. How, I just want to point out, I have known you so long that you said, <laughs> what's a Stephen King story, which is a huge body of work, and I immediately yeah. zoomed in the one that I know you were thinking of. <laughs> See, I, that's the JFK one, and I assume it is, it is because yes. nothing else of significance happened in 1963. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Who premiere, what are we talking about? <laughs> Well, you know, when it I is weigh about them up, the Doctor Who premiere. Yes, exactly. When I exactly. weigh them up against each other, which one had more historical significance? I Doctor guess. Doctor Who, obviously. You are Doctor Who still going? Uh, when right. was the last that JFK's about? not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, by definition of his assassination, <laughs> um, and who ever heard of the Kennedys after that? I'm exactly. certain in Oof. the UK that book is called Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. It might be uh, actually, but it, I don't know. You know, sometimes these things have different titles in different countries. But anyway, uh, so it's uh, so it is a case of essentially stumbling through, perhaps, or do societies <laughs> control these things? Uh, it's definitely something that talents uh, your playable characters who have like some kind of. I mean. For out-of-game purposes, they have some kind of supernatural thing going on with them. Yeah. Um, they don't necessarily know that they are supernatural, uh, but they can kind of see these portals, open these portals, make these portals, interact with them. But yeah. for the most part, normal people aren't going to be slipping through them. Now somebody could accidentally pop through and that, you know, could be a plot hook, right? Where somebody pops in from another dimension and you're like, whoa, how'd you get here? Hmm. Um, or some, you know, someone, you know, pops into another dimension and you've got to go rescue them. Clearly that can, that can happen. Yeah. But that's more of an accidental stumbling than it is um, a deliberate 
societies control these things. Mm. Uh, so they're presented, and, and we don't just present alternate dimension gates. We present gates yeah. as a portal to all sorts of different places. Um, so it's kind of a, you know, ch choose what you want your gates to go to. Yeah. Um, but we use gates as kind of shorthand to allow talents uh, to engage with parts of the Trinity Continuum that they should be able to engage with in the like in future settings or in past settings uh, in the modern times. So uh, some of the things that they can interact with are like other worlds. So we know from Aeon that there are aliens and other uh, other inhabited planets across the universe. Mm. Uh, in our galaxy and in and, and others uh, that interact with humanity, but not until the, the Aeon era, yeah. but they are unbeknownst to the humanity. Those like the Doyen already know about humanity and earth and have already been interfering with earth's kind of, uh, progress with the supernatural side of things um, all the way back from the adventure era. And so we kind of give portals as a way for uh, people to travel to different planets mm -hmm. in the modern era. So there's interplanetary gates that we talk about. Uh, there's interdimensional gates that we talk about. Uh, we also talk about traveling to the past. So a la, uh, and yes, it is 1123, uh, 2263. Uh, you, were, you were right, Matthew. Hooray, what do I win? Uh, you win my admiration. Oh, I already had that, Danielle, but thank you for Did having you? me. Oh. Did you? <laughs> Did you really? Did you really? I mean, it's doubled up now. Is so, it? Yeah. I, I feel like you think too highly of yourself. In, uh, <laughs> we're dealing with my conversion rate. And as the bank in this case, I will take your admiration, double it, and say it's worth twice its value. No, I see. I, I, I think Daniel's admiration is a lot like advantage disadvantage in D twenty, in the fact that you can't you either have it or you don't. You can't have multiple advantage. So, if you insult Danielle, that cancels out her admiration. You go back to nothing. I see yeah. it as more of an enhancement yeah. to enhancements rather than a. I guess it could quickly become a complication. <laughs> I mean, you get uh, too much admiration, suddenly it's a complication. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it could complicate the nature of our professional relationship if I feel like Danielle's always looking up to me. I feel I would feel responsible for Danielle's actions. Because... If you don't buy off the complication, Danielle will do the work, but she will give you a side eye. I, oh. uh, <laughs> I, I will, I can assure you, Matthew, I have never looked up to you. <laughs> So you that, never have to worry about that happening. That really makes me glad. <laughs> uh, you know, if if I if I had tried to earn your respect and had discovered just now that I never had it, I would be crestfallen. As it is, I've deliberately courted your disrespect. So things have worked like, out. I feel like respect. And looking up to are, are different things. Oh, well, again, different language. Mm, maybe. At the bank of Matthew Dawkins. 
respect, admiration, idolization. I mean, that sounds <laughs> pretty... Uh... All the same. Yeah, yeah, well... That's that British English going on. <laughs> why, why is a bank responsible for a linguistic definition? I don't... What kind of bank is this? The 21st century capitalist dystopia. Well, where... a ego bank is what it is, Eddie. Yes, where... Oh. So, so not, not a financial bank, like a blood bank where he just stores his ego. Yeah. To withdraw from it later. Okay, I understand that. Just I imagine the value of H.P. Lovecraft's works if adjectives were currency. <laughs> now, oh, God. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I've... The market. Yes, I've got a, it's an immediate crash. Uh, Pugmire-style plastic surface. <laughs> we have... Uh, so on the subject of gates, portals, and the like, because I know that isn't the only content mm -mm. in the in the talents players no, guide. It's just one chapter. Mm. Uh, but I'm going to ask a setting secret that you don't have to reveal, confirm, deny, or otherwise. You can just completely ignore me and move on. Sure. Uh, do they have anything to do with Aether gates? Is there any connectivity there? You know, I'm just gonna move on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, this is pretty typical of our conversations, even when we're not recording. You, 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 you gave her the option. You said you, you didn't answer. You, I don't you have to answer this. And she said, okay. Doesn't mean my feelings aren't hurt. Yes. I mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the honest answer is I hadn't really considered mm. um, if they are related or not. My, my inclination is that they are. Yes. Um, in that they are the modern uh, evolution of Aethergates. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that a lots of the talents don't need any devices to open them. Yeah, uh, Aethergates seem to be a little more blatant in their function. You know, you mm -hmm. have to go to some great some effort to create them, and then they are visibly there. Uh, it isn't some subtle passing through a doorway, and you're in a parallel universe. You know. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it does show some refinement. But that's interesting. So what else does this player's guide contain? Um, so we have a, a, a chapter on doing things. And I say that vaguely <laughs> because there's a bunch of different, like, we essentially kind of expand some of the subsystems mm. that we know that are kind of interesting and and define certain genres of stories. So, uh, you know, chase scenes. In, you know, base Trinity, it is just a, you know, it could be a simple role or it could be a opposed role. Uh, you could maybe even give it some milestones if you want. Yeah. Um, but But that's it. Those are the rules for chases. Uh, it's not um, not very involved. Uh, so we have an entire section on what if you want to play the Fast and the Furious? What if you want to play the Italian job? What if you want to play anything that involves a cool car chase and you want to do more than just roll once? Yeah. Or if you, right. you know, you want to make that the, the whole focus of an, an entire game session is this really cool involved car chase. Um, so we give expanded kind of like we, we 
we talk about, you know, how to pursue people, uh, abilities that you can use to change the environment that you're in. We give cool environments uh, that create complications or give benefits if you're in that environment. Um, and then special ways that talents can change the environment that they're in. Oh. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of go from like, oh, you know, I turned down an alley and I went from urban streets into the suburbs. Or uh, I I just happened to find the one place where we went from uh, downtown to uh, now there's a building on fire that we're driving through or something along those okay, lines. Okay, yeah, now we're um, speeding around the cliff sides of California, that kind of thing. Right, right. Uh, so so there's, so there's ways for that to happen. And then, uh, you know, there's some, there's definitely some kind of pull from aerial chases as well. So if you want to get into dog fights in a plane or just cool, uh, cinematics where, you know, you're, you go from a road to, uh, in planes or, you know, one of you's in a car, one of you's in a plane, uh, how does that kind of chase go? So there's some cool information on, you know, doing, doing cool chase scenes. Yeah. Um, we also talk about heists. So again, if you, you know, want to steal something, uh, you, you do a procedural and you maybe set some milestones, maybe, uh, or maybe you just role play through getting in, getting out, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but what we've done is we've created a heist system that specifically calls out, uh, running the game more like an Ocean's Eleven or something like that, where you Mm. kind of take the idea of what you're going to do and you define some, uh, some obstacles that are going to be in your way, kind of like the planning mission where it's like, Oh, you know, we case the joint. We know that there's some guards at door one and somebody's going to need to distract the guards. And then when we get in, there's going to be a safe and somebody's going to need to crack the safe. And while somebody's cracking the safe, somebody else is going to need to be keeping a watch because the guard schedule has more guards coming every 15 minutes. Yeah. So you go through and you kind of set that scene and say like, these are the th- elements that we're going to need to go through. And then of course, once you start role-playing it, um, things can go wrong. Mm-hmm. So there are complications on those roles uh, that you need to overcome. And if you don't, of course, things go wrong. Uh, they don't go quite the way you planned. And you can accrue what we call plan points that are essentially like, aha, but I did plan for that. Mm. So it's a little different than dramatic editing in the sense that it's specifically for uh, heisting. So you Mm -hmm. don't need to use inspiration to be able to dramatically edit the heist to say, oh, but we planned for that contingency. I think uh, that that's that's wonderful. That really is good because I I'm a big fan of heists. I mean, you know, I'm thinking for myself here. Uh, I think Trinity is one of those games that naturally leans into things like heists. It's uh-huh. when people think of a contemporary setting and running an adventure, 
uh, as playing as, I guess, slightly superlative humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, heists are a natural thing to, to go toward. And uh, I've I've played in a number of them, and it's um, always interesting to see the escalation of complexity without uh, these subsystems you're mentioning, which I imagine will clarify things where if you uh, go for the most basic is, is, as you say, there's two guards that patrol the building. Every 13 minutes, they've performed a circuit. So you have a 13-minute window to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and at its simplest, that's all you have to do is for a few dollars more, you know, taking the safe from the bank. And then, as you say, you can sort of add obstructions, different milestones. So now you have a laser grid. Now you right. have uh, surveillance cameras. Now you have a uh, a teller who wants to be the hero, you know, or a hostage that is trying to make an emergency phone call. And you kind of can add all of these things in as pre-built obstacles that, yes. as you say, they, they translate very well into things like complications. And um, I do like that there is a, a currency specifically for this, I guess, kind of... It's probably longer than a scene. What would it be? A session. Um, where you've got and to it, overcome each level of it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know like when Danielle first kind of was talking to, to me about it, the first thing I thought of, because you're right, I mean, it maps really well to Trinity Continuum as a core, but also how these things can map to other games. Because I mean, that would be fantastic for Anima, right? Because mm-hmm. if you think about the traditional Shadow Run, it's basically a heist. Yep. And games like Shadowrun and Cyberpunk Red sometimes struggle with that particular kind of complexity you talk about, Matthew, but being able to say, okay, cool, we have X number of days to plan so we could bank Y number of plan points. So we could just, we don't have to spend two hours of game time figuring out the plan. We could just dive right into the fun part. And then when yep. we get in over our heads, then we could just spend plan points to say, oh, retroactively, I would have thought to do that. Yep. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's an element of heist games that really mimics, um, media mm-hmm. where you don't necessarily see the whole plan up front in fact the fun of watching a movie or a tv show that has that that it, it causes this dramatic tension because you as the viewer don't necessarily know how the characters are going to get out of the situation because you don't know that they had either planned for that or this was all part of the plan to begin with or you know actually this person is uh, a turncoat or something along those lines right and so it allows us to mimic that at the table where a player can say oh man how am I going to get out of this situation oh you know what it would make sense that my character would have planned for this and I didn't have to think of it every contingency before the game started. I've definitely run some games that were more investigation focused. And when people go to go do their action, they spend an hour, two hours at the table trying to plan for every single contingency that might happen. Yep. And that's, and it bogs the game down. It's not fun Mm. for me. There are some people who think that that part of the game is the most fun. Oh, absolutely. Um, and for those I am not people, one of them. yeah, for those people, <laughs> keep doing that. But right. yeah, I am not one of those people who think that's the most fun. I do like a little bit of planning, 
I do like a like a little bit of like knowing what we're getting into and but planning for every single contingency not my not my bag. I just at some point I'm just like can we can we actually do the thing? Yeah, yeah, people can certainly tie themselves up in knots imagining more complexity than there actually is. And sometimes that acts as perfect fuel to the story guide or GM mm-hmm. or storyteller or whatever the game happens to be. Uh, but other times, uh, I, I agree, it can cause a great deal of frustration, uh, especially if you're running the damn game and want to get things moving. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, I mean, like, uh, uh, as you're talking about it, I mean, I don't, the book doesn't cover this, but just ways you can t- take these things and reapply them to other tropes uh, is that you can also do the reverse, where you can give a story guide character maybe some plan points, and then you get the Doctor yeah. Doom style master villain, right? Of like, oh no, the villain planned for this, and so they're going to spend a point now against you to escape or whatever Mm. yep yeah absolutely and i think you know i I was really happy with uh you know that section was written by hiromi koda and Chaz kellner and together they kind of came up with this uh system and and how to how to do this and i think hiromi wrote a lot of the the guts of the system uh and Chaz filled a lot of the like you know what to do you know how to plan how to the minutiae yeah the there you go that's Mm. a good word uh and honestly i was very thrilled with what they came up with um it was better than i had imagined uh, <laughs> well, that that's always a wonderful treat as a developer, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. Where I'm like, ah, I want this thing, and then somebody turns something in. You're like, oh yes, this is this is. I didn't even know I wanted this. This is so good. Uh, so it it's it's an excellent section. Um, I'm really thrilled with it. But there's more to the book than just those two things. What? Also. That you I mean? Know. There's more than two chapters. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder um, we're having to crowdfund it. <laughs> canned response <laughs> so what, uh, what else are we looking at what what tools go directly into the player's hands from this book uh we have an entire chapter of all sorts of goodies the mechanics if you if you will um will. or you know it's the section that my husband turns to first in any book he opens for mm-hmm. games um you know even before he even knows what the game is about he's reading about what powers do my character get um <laughs> <laughs> i think like, a lot of people still do that with <laughs> with not only trinity with games outside of our mm-hmm. uh, bracket things like shadowrun and cyberpunk in particular Everyone loves the gadgets, the tools, the the powers. Yeah. So, and yeah, yeah I I know uh, from running Scion recently uh, and doing a fair amount of Trinity now over the past few years, there are players who will naturally gravitate toward edges, gifts, uh, and then they will start looking at any kind of. So, what is the context of all this? <laughs> right, or like, hey, I really want this cool thing. What do I have to take to get to the cool thing? Yes. Right. right. <laughs> uh, so uh, we have an entire, it's a pretty beefy chapter uh, that gives all the goodies that can go into uh, the you know playing of these games. And not everything in that chapter is about 
um, the, the things that the other chapters talk about, but we do have some mechanics to support the actions that we represent in the other chapters. So there's a bunch of gifts. Um, we collated gifts that show up in other places. Uh, so there's some gifts that are, you know, I, I think Aberrant had a gift. Um, there's some gifts from assassins, essentially mm-hmm. some, some masteries that honestly would work well as gifts for talents. There are some gifts from adventure that uh, were written for daredevils that really make sense in a modern age. And there's no reason why modern characters can't have access to those. So we've kind of reprinted them um, and updated them so that they make sense in the modern time. Um, and so we have... Right, yeah. Th- these aren't just copy-paste jobs. They're they're, they're, they're revised to make sure they make revised. sense for yeah. the Trinity Core rulebook, yeah. Right, it's especially like the Masteries because those are written for assassins in mind where mm-hmm. you're kind of a a little bit of an uber talent as an assassin. Right. Um, and so these are written as, as gifts. They're rewritten and reconceptualized to work for a talent instead of an assassin. Um, and the same thing, uh, with the, the, the adventure, um, so they're reconceptualizations of gifts that are showing up in other books. Um, and we, you know, we do mention which book they came from. So in case you want to, uh, take a look at their other, you know, the original form, the original form, you know, which book this thing came from. So we have some of those, we have some we have tons of brand new gifts, um, a lot that are focused on interdimensional travel, interstellar travel, um, getting yourself down. We we have a section on like going into the microverse, which is something you can do in the Nova Age in uh, Aberrant, but uh, we essentially reconceptualize it for it talents in the modern age having gadgets that let them shrink down um and we have some we have some gadgets that let you do it in the book and we also have some gifts that kind of go along with it um right and that's like honey i shrunk the kids mm-hmm. uh, land yeah. of the giants that kind of stuff yeah even the new quantum mania um yeah. ant-man and the wasp like thing right uh that uh, that kind of concept of there's you know there's other worlds in the micro, uh, so we we do that. Um, there's also some uh, some just brand new gifts that we thought would be cool um, to to present. Um, we do some experimental things with some gifts that are. Uh, a little more dynamic. So they have kind of an upgrade if you have uh, your, that depend on which faucet you have at your highest. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you, uh, so they kind of key off of your faucets. Uh, I uh, like that because it encourages people to use different elements of the system. I do like powers that sort of tie into uh, other aspects of your character sheets right. as it were you know it, may, it makes people see their characters in a different light sometimes right and we already had gifts that like keyed off your faucets and the fact that like you could use you could replace a, a 
skill roll with your faucet or you could add your faucet and enhancement or things like that. But this specifically, it has a, it has a thing it does and then it has a rider. If destructive is your highest faucet, you get this extra benefit. Um, and there's a couple for each, uh, for each faucet. Um, and those are, you know, there to kind of show you that you, you know, you can always make your own gifts. Uh, I, I find that there are definitely some players who will say, oh, I want to make my own. Definitely. But a lot of people just kind of want to pick from what's already there. Um, so this gives some chop, uh, some options for people who want to pick what's already there. But those people who say, hey, I want to make my own, it's a way to show, hey, here's some things maybe you didn't think about of ways to make a new gift. Um, so, you know, there's those kind of example things, um, lots and lots of gifts. <laughs> uh, and we've got a bunch of new edges. A lot of the new edges key into the, uh, the different like settings and, and uh, like heisting and, um, car chases and things like that. And, you know, investigations, um, we have a, a lot of new edges that kind of key into the other aspects of the book. Uh, we present some new paths, some new skill tricks, uh, some new lots of gadgets. Oh, so many. I know, I know that people have been asking, for example, super science items. They have been asking, for example, gear items, vehicles, and this book absolutely delivers. How dare the fans want more of a game i know right <laughs> i'll dare <laughs> but we have we have heard your cries and we we've delivered there's this this chapter is beefy uh Ooh. and there's there's a lot of stuff in it uh that i'm really excited for people to to have access to well let's get into some of the nitty-gritty if you have the manuscript available to you right now Daniel. i mean i i do because I'm at uh, my computer. Oh well, uh, would you be able to tell us about just a, a random selection, a small handful of some of the gadgets, uh, some of the super science, some of the vehicles that we have available now? Okay, I'm just so gonna... wet appetites. In the meantime, while you're looking, Eddie. Yes. Uh, it's a modern setting in Trinity. Uh -huh. You step through a door that you think is about to take you into a changing room. In a uh, outfit store in a shopping mall. Right. However, when you pass through the curtain, you find that you are somewhere else. You find that you are in a vehicle exotic to where you were previously. What is that vehicle? Uh, well, I mean, most any vehicle would be exotic to a changing room, I would think. Well, it would, <laughs> but I mean, it's exotic specifically to your character, we'll say. Uh, okay. Um, I mean, appearing in, I don't know, uh, a unicycle would be extremely dis disconcerting. Especially if you're able to maintain your balance. Right, because suddenly it's like, whoa, I, I got a balance now all of a sudden. <laughs> Unless your character went into this changing room as a clown. Right. Maybe they, they sat there and think, well, this is like second nature to me. Nothing. I have sometimes been called a clown, but I don't think that was the context intended in those situations. Have you ever played a clown in an RPG? Uh, I haven't. No. There you go. Character aspirations. <laughs> there we go. Did you just say that the vehicle is a clown car? 
No, a unicycle. No, unicycle. Oh, a unicycle. Okay. If, if it isn't in the manuscript yet, Danielle. Unicycle. <laughs> uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm voting for Penny Farthing. Mm. Ooh, there you go. That's uh, very Aether. Didn't didn't I run Aether for you, Danielle, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. some others, and one of the characters decided they would get involved in a chase by on climbing on, onto a penny farthing. Absolutely, that <laughs> and, happened. Yeah, and by the time they got to the barge where the action was going down, it was mostly concluded, and then they had to dismount from the penny farthing <laughs> elegantly. Did they I like think... throw somebody into the the river? Yes, because they couldn't get off correctly, yeah, and I think they just ended up tumbling down the embankment and into the Thames. Oh my god. <laughs> so I oh hope to god. see that replicated. <laughs> but what are we actually looking at in this book? I'm trying to find something like cool. Um, not that everything isn't cool, I'm just like... Uh, really cool. Exotic. Interesting. Ex- yes. Intriguing. Uh, so we have a vehicle... Uh, we have a vehicle... That is called the Telluric Intruder. Oh, that sounds it invasive. <laughs> uh, I will read the notes. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> the original vehicle seems like an underpowered concept car sporting retro styling. Its tags marking it as Telluric Intruder made by T Industries. The strange device nestled in its core of its engine marks it as more than just an oddity. The bizarre engineering, sometimes capable of pulling strange energies out of the air to bend causality and probability, probability in strange and unnatural ways. Mm. The original car was lost in dispute between Nine, the National Office of Emergency Research, and Anne Society's Polyphemus. But detailed descriptions of the car's device and its machinery clearly survived, since telluric intruders have been sighted on the world's roads. Someone must have reverse engineered the strange machine and started reproducing them, unless they're coming from somewhere else. So these are they are reality bending in the sense that they can they move extraordinarily fast, or are they able to skip dimensions in a sort of Back to the Future fashion? They have a uh, a tag called. Let me see if I can't find it. A, a flux capacitor. Oh, yes. Mm, okay. uh, so a v- the vehicle sports a device which can gather, store, and channel flux energy. Whenever the vehicle participates in a scene involving genuine risk or challenge, it becomes charged. During any scene in which the vehicle is running, the driver may trigger the flux capacitor to use its charge to create a flux zone, allowing the use of flux stunts and reducing the cost to dramatic editing by one for a scene. So we could have a heist story where we have to find one of these. One of these is in the vault of some debauched yeah. millionaire. Billionaire, why not? We'll call him Elon Musk. Uh, that sounds like a fake name. And Neon Neon Usk. Neon Husk. <laughs> uh, and so the heist is to break into the vault where Neon Husk has been creating this. Telluric- Which may also be underwater if you want to add even more stuff from the book. In my games, it has to be. Right, it's true, it's true. Mm -hmm. And then, having reached the Telluric Intruder, does it specify how many passengers it can carry? Um, It is a size 2 vehicle, so I think it is a standard for... That's party-sized, yep. Yeah, four-person car. So then, we jump to the chase chapter, because now that the security are aware of what's happening, the the theft is successful. You've got the keys, you've activated the engine. Now, you've got to escape from Neon Husk's mansion and grounds, and then into the city uh, in the this amazing stolen vehicle. 
and can play around with all of its uh, widgets and gadgets and reality bending as you do so. So yeah. it's funny, like, except for the underwater bit, which I threw in as a gag, that plot is almost identical to a subplot in the Cyberpunk Edgerunners cartoon. Oh, well, mm-hmm. I, I've never had an original idea, Eddie. Well, no, but I mean, <laughs> I, I, I bring it up because, I mean, I, I bring it up because this kind of stacking is actually fantastic because it is very much the genre fiction we're trying to emulate does, right? Mm. I mean, you know, the stuff that, I mean, reframe it slightly, that could also be a Dr. No scene, right? Um, you know, it, uh, it, it's, it's, one thing I think Trinity does really well is that it has this own distinctive, cohesive, you know, continuum, obviously. But also, if you take different slices out of it, it becomes very easy to emulate an extremely wide variety of action adventure media. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. Uh, some people have said to me um, that they don't necessarily know where to place Trinity. And uh, and it's usually because they approach uh, a setting and they want some very hard definition of what to do with the game. Right. But by simply doing as I have done just now, I, you know, you just look at the chapters, Eddie. You look at the chapter contents and you kind of put them in an order. And all of a sudden, boom, that's a story. You have now got an objective for play and uh, all kinds of new traits and uh, gizmos that you can use right from the book. Yeah. And so, actually something that um we touched on but we didn't really cover um is that this book also has deeper write-ups of not only allegiances we only kind of glossed over in the core rule book mm-hmm. like National Office of Emergency Research, yes. you know, the club, uh but also uh we we folded in from a tasty bit uh Polyphemus uh and like you mentioned all of the the flux stunts well, that all kind of comes from that is that kind of yes. how to kind of use gadgets to manipulate reality. Right, and there's new flux stunts. Uh, <clears throat> H was very excited about. Uh, is it polyphemus or polyphemus? I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I've been saying polyphemus, but I've never actually looked up the how to pronounce it. I can I'm come gonna... down on it with a third opinion if you want. Sure, please do. Let's think. Polyph. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, right, uh, so polyphemus, uh, right. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I would probably err towards polyphemus, but as none of the three of us are Greek, let least of all ancient Greek, right? Uh, we can leave it in the air. And that actually sounds like a Latinization of a Greek name anyway. So Yeah, po- sure. I, I would, uh, I'm going to keep saying polyphemus because that is uh, how I read it. And, Fair. Uh, it, it feels dev, like you can do what is. you want. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, H got really excited by the idea of flux stunts and was like, can I write more? And I was like, well, we're including the polyphemus, polyphemus. <laughs> uh, so we're including that that stuff in the book. So absolutely. And so they they she got super excited and uh, wrote a bunch of new flux stunts. Um, so you'll see those also in uh, in the, the chase section. Um, and that's fantastic because the one thing that I would always hoped with the, the, the tasty bits was specifically that kind of let's prototype an idea in a uh-huh. really small space, see how it lands, and something like Polyphemus landed really well. So then you were able to take that back to the writers and say, cool, okay, now we can build on this. Right. Well, Which I it's, think it's great. 
It certainly sounds like there is plenty of content in this here book. And this isn't all, is it? it no. you know, we, we have spoken for nearly an hour now on just some of the content that you will find within. Uh, so if you were to give an elevator pitch for this book, Danielle, no pressure. If anyone was on the fence after listening to these, this trove of content... Uh, that I am now winding up to pass over to you to deliver your elevator pitch, but I'm lasting a long time so that you can come up with one. Yeah, yeah, uh, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> a little peek behind the wizard's curtain there, listeners. Uh, <laughs> how how do you think you would sell someone on backing this particular crowdfunding campaign coming to you on, what is it, the 28th of this month? Yes, yes, next Tuesday. Or next, Tuesday, not yeah. next Tuesday, this Tuesday. Uh, so, yeah, 28th of March. So what would you say, Danielle? I would say this book lets you take your Trinity Continuum core games and elevate them to the next level. Only because you used the word elevator, and I really didn't have anything better. Uh, so you lift um, it to the next level. Um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, honestly, I I view this book as probably a... If I were to redo a second edition of mm. Trinity Continuum, half of this book would go in it. I view a lot of the stuff that we put in here as vital for good like core gameplay for the modern era like if i were to take the core rule book and be like i'm actually making it a straight up modern era book mm. there is there's so much from this book that i would put in it That's i feel like praise. there's an advanced trinity and talents gag in there somewhere I don't well know. if you come up with no. one eddie no uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> i don't know I know that that was a question, so I do want to address that. Um, there were some people who were wondering if they, we were going to do the next level of talent, uh, yeah. a la Max Mercer, um, uh, uh, Nikola Tesla uh, level of talent, and we did not in this book. And part of the reason for that is I think that we had kind of thought we would never do that. Yeah. Um, we hint at that ability, but we never thought we're going to make the the Nova level talent. Yeah. Um, we kind of do in Aether. Mm. Uh, with Magog's. Yeah, yeah, with, with with a lot of, um, I guess, with the deviations element, that's probably the part that is, I wouldn't say uniquely Aether, but it certainly fits very well with the Gothic horror. The powers that Magogs have available to them certainly right. feel to me, yeah, like uh, the sorts of things advanced talents should be able to do. Um, but yeah, without necessarily all of the horrible side effects that occur in Aether, which makes the game so flavorful. Right. Um, but I think it was something that, you know, talking with Ian, that we had maybe thought, this isn't something we're ever going to actually do. Mm. Just because the the main elements of it are either 
time travel, like straight up future time travel, past time travel, creating alternate dimensions with time travel bullshit that Max Mercer does. Can I say that word? Well, bullshit. You can say Max Mercer. That's allowed, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so. <laughs> We're a family show, but. Uh, every, what kind of knows, family is the question? Everyone knows the sins of Max Mercer. Yeah. So uh, they. That kind of thing is really hard to adjudicate. Yeah. The stuff that Tesla does. Uh, opening portals to dimensions, dimension hopping. We we cover that ability mm. in a in a way, um, with with this book. But the the straight up like world bending time travel, um, I don't think that's anything that we as game designers want to try to make mechanics for because it is so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. At least not right now. I mean, I think every, uh, well, every, uh, there's a lot of RPGs that have tried. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, I could count on one hand the ones that are able to do it and kind of maintain any kind of mechanical cohesion. And even it's then, quite... it still requires an awful lot of player and GM uh, agreement that this is you know that the, the these are the repercussions and i guess payments of time travel yeah but um, that said i mean i think again using the tools that are in this book you could do some portions of it like if you want to do mm -hmm. bill and ted style timey wimey bullshit yeah, right yeah. of Absolutely. like i want to go back here remember to put this thing here so this rock mm -hmm. drops on you you use plan points for that yeah that um, quantum leap yeah, we have, I mean, there's a whole section in the book that's dedicated to traveling to the past mm -hmm. um, and talking about what what kinds of things you can do and what kind of paradoxes you might create. And all, we talk about a lot of that stuff, uh, but we don't talk about future time travel, but you could easily adapt if you wanted to do future time travel. Right. You could easily adapt that information to do future time travel. So we kind of give the ability to do these things to talents, but we don't hardcore go into it um, as, as, you know, the, the straight up advanced talent. Um, because we created a mechanically complicated concept that is honestly, as a designer... I would have to be, I would really need to redesign this entire game to handle it, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Right. Well, thankfully, we don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are hitting the hour mark now of our podcast. So uh, do you have any final words, Danielle? Not, not in totality, you know, that you're not about to head to the chair or anything. Uh, do you have any final words? Back to uh, being furniture. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, I meant the electric chair, but you know. <laughs> uh, you could be an electric chair if you wanted. Uh, this is the I, 21st I... century. Uh, so, <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so do you have any final words that you wish to share on Talents Player's Guide at this time? Um, it our, our crowdfunding is on BackerKit mm -hmm. uh, this time. You, if you backed Scion God, you probably got an email saying that very much that it is on Backerkit and coming up soon. Um, 
if you want to today to go and uh, pre, you know, preset your your involvement, you can, uh, I guess, pre-register on the Backerkit website. Yeah. Um, there will be a link to that in the 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 show notes. Also, uh, oh, I say that. I am not responsible for doing the show notes, so I have just <laughs> condemned whoever is to making a link. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, please support it. Um, you can also pick up some really cool PDFs if you if you support the first forty eight hours. Uh, you get some cool PDFs um, as I think for free. I might yeah. be lying. Yeah. Okay. No. I, yeah. I think if you're back in the first 48 hours, you get like a packet of jump starts for free. Yeah. So you can. Uh, so if you're not familiar with any of the other eras, or there's an era that you haven't played yet, you can get the jump start or all the jump starts we have right now out and available uh, are are going to be free um, for for the first 48 hours when you when you support the the crowdfunding campaign. And uh, please support this thing. Um, I I will really appreciate it. And um, you know, we all want to earn my admiration. This it's true. is true. It is true. It is true. And you know, if you miss the first forty-eight hours, listeners, use your Telluric intruder and, <laughs> and go back to them to make up for that error. Yeah. Uh, Danielle, where will people go if they want to talk with you about this book? Uh, the comment section of the backer. <laughs> yes, actually, that's, <laughs> it, that's a really good point. Uh, people who are listening, people who are who back this book, please do engage with us in the comments. It's always wonderful to have a an active comment section, whether it's on Kickstarter, Backerkit, uh, Indie Press, uh, not Indie Press Revolution. What was the other one? Indiegogo. Tr- Indiegogo. Uh, it, the comments really help make a crowdfunding campaign come alive, and mm-hmm. your input is always, always valued. Um, so, yes, uh, so you want people to find you there. And what about in social media in general? Uh, you can uh, see that I never post on Twitter at, uh, <laughs> at Impernius. Um, I am I'm in the Onyx Path Discord. Uh, you can also visit my website, which I haven't updated in many months, at daniellelozon.com. And um, how about you, Eddie? Uh, you can find my website at uh, pugsteady.com. That's P-U-G-S-T-E-A-D-Y. Um, but otherwise, yeah, you can find me on the Onyx Path Discord uh, talking about whatever the conversation du jour happens to be. Right now, the difference between Draculas in Masquerade, Requiem, and Beyond the Grave. Right. One of them wears leather jacket, as I pointed out. And that is the, the big difference between Requiem vampires and all other vampires. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Masquerade, Dracula wears a crushed velvet. We, we, we're, we're talking about how oh. uh, uh, the main difference between fa- the vampires is that uh, Dra- Dracula wears leather jacket in Requiem, but he does not wear a leather jacket in any other iteration of vampire. He wears crushed velvet in Masquerade. Right. I assume right. so, or maybe yeah. um, Angora. Yeah. 
Uh, so uh, you can find me on matthewdawkins.com on Twitter at DawkinsMP and on the Onyx Path Discord as we have established many times please do check out this crowdfunding campaign which goes live on the 28th of March we would love to see you there engage with you get your feedback and remember just the same as every other book we put up on crowdfunding you will get to read the manuscript as the crowdfunding campaign goes on uh, so you can make your mind up later on how much you want to pledge. But with all that said, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you to my co-hosts, Many Worlds, one